sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to the morning app. Live right here for hour number two on this Tuesday on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday, the final day, the final Tuesday in the month of February. Tomorrow is March. That means we will talk a ton of college basketball coming up in this second hour. It's the stretch run, of course, in the NHL and the NBA. A ton to discuss as we go around both the league on the ice and the league on the hardwood. We'll do that here in hour number two. But we start here in this second hour with some news and notes around the National Football League. It is the offseason, and a ton has to be answered around the NFL. The storyline of this offseason in the National Football League, in my estimation, is the quarterback position. It is combine week in Indianapolis, where we focus on the 2023 NFL draft. And in this offseason, we will see acquisitions and also people being let go. That happened to Carson Wentz yesterday, as the Washington Commanders have now cut Carson Wentz following just a year outside the nation's capital. Last offseason, Washington traded multiple draft picks, multiple draft picks for Carson Wentz, including a third rounder. After a dismal year in Washington, Carson Wentz has been cut. He was injured week number six against the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football, a game the commanders actually won. It was disgusting, but they won. It was a two and four record for the first six weeks with Carson Wentz. Then Washington, without Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke becoming their starter, won five of their next six games. In fact, with Heineke, they were 4-3-1 and one straight up. And then entering week 17, in a must-win game, although Ron Rivera did not know it could act as an elimination game if the commanders lost, they decided to say, hey, Heineke, thanks for all your good work here. We're going to go back to Carson Wentz against the Cleveland Browns. And what did Carson Wentz do in that must-win football game? Here was the stat line, 16 of 28, 143 yards, and three interceptions. Did not throw a single touchdown pass. Washington lost, their season done, eliminated from the postseason. This follows Carson Wentz ending out his only year in Indianapolis when the Colts needed to win one of their final two games. Booked as an eight-point favorite in the second-to-last game of the regular season at home against the Raiders, Carson Wentz and the Colts lost outright. Then in the regular season finale, going to the House of Horrors, that is Duval County for the Colts in Jacksonville against the Jags. Still, they were booked as a 15.5-point favorite against the worst team in the National Football League, and they lost the game outright by two touchdowns. All of this to say that Carson Wentz, at this stage of his career, is not a starting quarterback in the National Football League. So front offices out there, look at me right now. Look at me. Look at me in the eyes. General managers, front office execs, whatever you might be, do not look at Carson Wentz this offseason and say, maybe, just maybe, in our organization, he could thrive. The answer is no. He is not a starting quarterback at this level in the National Football League any longer. A veteran backup that could fill in in spot duty, fine. He is not a starting quarterback 
quarterback. So what does Washington now do with a new offensive coordinator, one of the brightest offensive minds in football, in Eric Bieniemy? Will it be the fifth-round draft pick from last year's NFL draft, Sam Howell out of North Carolina? That made one start in that regular season finale for the Commanders against the Cowboys. Washington won 26-6 against the Cowboys' starters, and Sam Howell threw for a touchdown pass and ran for another. They loved him to end out that regular season. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after, live on this Tuesday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. More news on this Tuesday morning, just happening moments ago. The Atlanta Falcons have released Marcus Mariota. That is interesting as well, because what will Atlanta look to do with the eighth overall selection in the first round of this 2023 NFL draft. They drafted Des Ritter. They benched Mariota to end out last regular season is Desmond Ritter, now the future at the quarterback spot for the Falcons. There are six teams, feasibly, six teams in the top nine of the NFL draft order that have quarterback questions to answer this offseason. At number two, it's the Houston Texans. At number four, it's the Indianapolis Colts. Potentially even the Seahawks drafting number five overall. And then seven through eight, the Raiders, the Falcons, and the Carolina Panthers, all question marks around a quarterback position. We know that the Chicago Bears are offering up that number one overall selection, where Bryce Young, as we enter Combine Week in Indianapolis, is still the odds-on favorite to go number one overall. In fact, Bryce Young is still heavily favored to be the first quarterback selected in this very rich quarterback draft class, where we could see three, four quarterbacks selected in the opening round of the NFL draft, unlike last year when Kenny Pickett was the only QB taken in the first round. Now, as it is combine week, we dissect everything about these prospects. Everything, how fast they run, what their workouts look like. Well, Bryce Young is not going to work out in Indianapolis. Might we see some measurements where reportedly Bryce Young is listed at just 5'10 and a half, which might scare off some NFL drafts. It is a tired narrative. Bryce Young was the 2021 Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama. You want to know his stats that year? Threw for over 4,800 yards, 47 touchdown passes to only seven interceptions and a 69% completion percentage. And then he backed that up last year at Alabama, throwing for 32 touchdown passes and only five picks. Our focus on college basketball up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Today is the final day of February. But for the last week, really, in college basketball, there has been a March feeling in the air even last night as conference tournaments that means the postseason officially beginning around the country in men's college basketball welcome back to this tuesday the final day of february live right here on the morning after on sports grid i am ben stevens charlie disturco joins us now live here on the morning after on this tuesday charlie working with the action network handicapping everything from that college hoops perspective we will look 
at the A-Sun Conference Tournament that began last night. More mid-majors getting into the conference tournament portion of their calendar with the Sun Belt and the Horizon League getting underway today. Charlie, to me, it's like a kid waking up on Christmas morning. It is truly the most wonderful time of the year when you match the mid-major conference tournaments with still the final week of the regular season at the high major level in college basketball. It is the best time of the year in college hoops. Thank you for joining us here on the morning after. What's up, Ben? I'm excited to talk college hoops here. I mean, it is, like you said, like Christmas. We get to watch, really, the March Madness start a couple days early while regular season in the Power Five wraps up. We see buzzer beaters in the A-Sun. We're seeing all these lower mid-majors kind of get underway. And, and what a start we had last night with the North Florida Bellarmine game. Charlie, and very, very soon, we will have afternoon basketball once again <laughs> in the month of March. So let's go back to the A-Sun tournament last night we start with a matchup between queens and a team charlie probably people remember from the 2013 ncaa tournament andy enfield in dunk city otherwise known as florida gulf coast they took on queens last night queens was a slight one and a half point favorite they cover that number they win by six to advance to the second round the quarterfinal round of the a sun tournament charlie as you get going here evaluating the mid-majors as conference tournaments get underway what are you keeping an eye on and what did you see last night for queens in that victory that will maybe help your handicapping the rest of the way Right, yeah. When you want to look at how to handicap these tournaments, you really want to look at how teams have performed over the last 30 days or so because they are a completely different team, you know, early in conference play compared to as of late. And when you look at this Queens-Florida Gulf Coast game, and one of the reasons I tweeted out earlier, I took Queens 75-1 to the other day before the tournament, they're playing really well. And they drew that matchup as long as they got by that physical Florida Gulf Coast team. They draw a matchup mm -hmm. with Kennesaw State, which they've already beaten on the road. So when you look at that matchup against Florida Gulf Coast, Really, it was one of the more impressive games I've seen from Queens as far as a defensive perspective, right? Florida Gulf Coast in their earlier matchup was able to break their press down with ease. They were able to get inside. They were able to finish. This time, Queens, zero offensive rebounds allowed to Florida Gulf Coast. Really, if it wasn't for Johnston out there from the perimeter, Queens probably rolls to a double-digit victory. But keep it close, missed a few layups at the rim. Those are kind of the things you look for, right? You see that they're getting to the rim. They're just not finishing. You're seeing guys like Kenny Dye struggle a little bit. Probably not the case, you know, a second time around, especially after playing a game the other, yesterday. You, you know, a little bit tired legs, but they're also in a groove compared to Kennesaw that's coming off a break. Yeah, Queens getting that victory, 61-55. Again, covering as a point and a half favorite. They will take on now the top seed in the A-Sun tournament, Kennesaw State, later this evening. Kennesaw State booked as a seven and a half point favorite. But the A-Sun tournament started with a highlight yesterday, Charlie, as down to the final couple of seconds, Bellarmine taking on North Florida. Justin Betts drives the length of the floor, looks like he's stuck, turns around, throws up a jumper, and hits the front iron, and drops in. It felt like March. 76-74, the win for Bellarmine last night as they advance past North Florida. They will take on Liberty tonight. But let's focus on the beauty of these conference tournaments. Bellarmine, the win, pretty much at the buzzer last night, Charlie. What was your reaction to seeing the conference tournament, the first at the mid-major level, start in that fashion last night? Oh, it's March, baby. That's, that was my reaction. I was so excited. Like, I just, one of those things that you just, it's not even March yet, but you got that feeling that these teams are really putting it on the line, especially for the Knights. They, you know, aren't qualified for the tournament yet. So, like, they, they, this is their March. And same with, Queens, right? They're D2 going to D1. It was just a great game. 
It was close throughout the entire way, back and forth slugfest. And just seeing that, like, bounce off the rim, then bounce off and in, it was, uh, it, it, like, it's just, you know, it's it's March. It, it was a great game. Bellarmine, Beller, they got what they wanted inside. They, they gave up a lot of threes, which is their entire defensive game plan. They sink in. But they're able to, as long as they're able to keep the course and, and stay strong as far as their physicality goes, they're, they're able to beat almost anybody. Charlie, that's the beauty of this next month in college basketball. When wild things happen, you just sum it up by saying, that's March. And that's what we saw last mm-hmm. night for Bellamen, who won the A-Sun tourney last year. But because it was their first year as a Division I program, they were ineligible for that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. The NCAA, you are a sham of an organization. Change <laughs> that rule it needs to be fixed the ncaa even looked at that over the summer charlie and they denied waivers that would make teams eligible if they were to go on a magical run and win their conference tournament it disappoints me greatly all right so let's set the stage now in the quarterfinal round as the top two seeds liberty and kennesaw state in action today liberty the heavy odds on favorite charlie to win the a sun tournament a minus 210 price but kennesaw state is the top seed in the a sun how do you evaluate the rest of this conference tournament and those future odds yeah and i think that this is liberty's conference to lose when you look at their numbers and you look at how well they perform down the stretch they are really the better team here compared to kennesaw state and the rest of the field number one an effective field goal percentage on both sides of the floor this is richie mckay's best defense arguably probably since like the COVID years uh the, the offense is incredible darius mcgee uh, you can't really say enough about him he is the bracket buster like you want a guy like mad max asmus against ohio state a few years ago Darius McGee is your guy in the NCAA tournament if Liberty wins. He's a firecracker, shoots like 40% of the shots, win on the floor. They're just a really yeah. strong team. They play the compact defense, a pack line defense. They don't give up second chance opportunities. You got to beat them from catching fire from the perimeter. And that's really good. I mean, they, their defense is number two in turnover rate, number one in two point defense in a sun play. So they're really the number one team that you want to look at. And then when you look at the rest of the team, Kennesaw, we get into them both this team is experienced minutes continuity second so you know that's why they're number one in the in the conference they are that experienced team they're a very uh switch defense they can go from man to zone to a full court press very strong from the perimeter not a great free throw shooting team but gets the line a lot they also have foul trouble and struggle around that three-point line so that's where i think you know when you look at the top two teams liberty has the edge there they're a better defense and they have the darius mcgee and and multiple people who can shoot 40 percent from three Liberty and Kennesaw State were both 15-3 and three in the A-Sun this year. Kennesaw State get the tiebreaker advantage because of a win over the Flames in the regular season. But listen to what Charlie is saying. Not just Liberty here in the A-Sun tournament, where they're the heavy odds-on favorite. Liberty entered yesterday in the Ken Palm efficiency ratings as the 43rd best team in college basketball. They're a 16-and-a-half-point favorite against Bellarmine tonight in the quarterfinal round. Darius McGee is one of the top five leading scorers in all of college basketball. Keep an eye on the Flames as a 12, 13, 14 seed. By the time we get to a big dance, they could make a run come the real March Madness. More conference tournaments, Charlie, starting today as well. We mentioned the Sun Belt, where you look right now as Marshall as the favorite, and also the Horizon League, where the leading scorer in college basketball plays for Detroit. His name is Antoine Davis, averaging more than 28 points per game, the nation's leading scorer. Quickly here, Charlie, only a minute left. What are you keeping an eye on as the Horizon League gets underway today as well? 
Yeah, I mean, keeping your eye on the guy you said, Antoine Davis. I mean, this is a team that really doesn't play defense, and they're just an electric offense because they run through that star player. I mean, they're worth a dart throw at that 18 to 20 to 1 number. I mean, if I'm taking Queens at 75 to 1, I think Detroit with that firecracker of a player that can be a bracket buster. You know, we talk about Darius McGee and Liberty. You look at Antoine Davis. He has that ability to catch fire. He has that ability to drop 40 in a given night. He's he's catching Pistol Pete Maravich's record. He's very close there. So I'm going to be looking for that. And we'll be watching him. going to be watching Detroit, hopefully rooting for a tournament run there. It is the best part about March. You get to highlight people maybe you haven't watched throughout the rest of this college basketball season, even on the final day of February. Charlie DeSturco from Action, we appreciate your time helping us break down the conference tournament slate on this Tuesday morning. More of the morning after, up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's the final day of February. It's the final week of college basketball in the regular season at the high major level. It's the stretch run in the NBA. You can say the exact same thing about the National Hockey League as well. About 20 or so games left in this regular season before the marathon that is a sprint known as the Stanley Cup postseason. We break it all down live right here with some ice advice from our good friend Anna Dua. Joining us live on this Tuesday morning, on the morning after on SportsGrid, Anna working with the NHL and the Fantasy on Ice podcast. We will break everything down you need to know around the National Hockey League from last night's action and set up this Tuesday night slate as well. Anna, thank you so much as always for taking the time to join us live right here on this Tuesday. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And of the reigning Stanley Cup champs, the Colorado Avalanche. They entered this year as the relatively short favorites to make it two straight. Then the first half of the season, the Avs dealing with a ton of injuries, struggling out of the gates. Now it seems Colorado is starting to round into form. They have won six consecutive games with a 3-0 shutout over entering last night. The best team in the Western Conference, the Vegas Golden night so Anna as you look at the Avs following that three nothing victory last night against Las Vegas how exactly is Colorado starting to figure it out I think it's just they've gotten a lot of players back right their injuries depleted the team so much so they weren't really able to compete but now that they're getting guys back in the lineup they're just rocking and rolling like the Avs we all know and love I mean Nathan McKinnon I can talk about him forever but he's having a crazy stretch right now I think he's like 16 points in his last eight games so he's averaging two points a night that whole team's just really coming together I think Colorado is going to be probably one of the biggest threats in the West these postseason. When you look at the Avs right now, Anna, they're back up to the second-best price to win Lord Stanley's Cup at plus 650. They fell behind Carolina last week on the FanDuel Sportsbook, now the second-shortest price. In fact, as you look at the Stanley Cup odds at this moment, Anna, of the seven best prices, Colorado is the only team from the Western Conference. They took on Vegas last night. Do you think that might be a preview of the Western Conference Finals by the time we get to the postseason? 
Uh, it could be. I think I'm looking at the Oilers out of the West for sure, just because they're a team that is so, so talented. Connor McDavid obviously reaching a milestone last night. That team is just so strong with their offensive situation that they have going there. If they fix out their goalie situation, the Oilers are going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. But in the West, it's probably Edmonton or Colorado, to be honest, that I'm keeping my eyes on. But the East, on the other hand, I mean, it's anyone's game in the Eastern Conference. That conference is so, so tough right now, especially after all the trades. The Bruins, the best team in the NHL. And as you look at those prices, Anna, once again, to win the Stanley Cup here in the 2022-23 season, of course, the Bees have been booked as a favorite for quite some time. We have about 20-plus games left in this NHL regular season. How do you feel about that playoff picture in the National Hockey League at this point? Maybe is it different from how it was just a few weeks ago? It is just specifically because of the trade deadline. I think it really shook things up. That's coming up this Friday and a lot of big names have already moved around. Boston's a great team. They've been a great team this entire season. They actually had a lot of injury concerns at the beginning of the year as well, but they overpowered it so much. They went on a crazy home winning streak to start this year off that I think everyone forgot about how great this team is. They might be hit with the president's trophy curse though, because they're so far ahead of the pack right. that you never know if it sticks in the playoffs. But now in the East, you have the Rangers who got Vlad Vladimir Tarasenko, they're in the mix for Patrick Kane. If that happens, all of a sudden, they're a huge team to watch in the postseason for Stanley Cup futures odds. And then you have the New Jersey Devils. Now they have Timo Meyer. This team has still been a great team. They went on a crazy win streak to end last year, and they are just so, so dynamic and dominant. And now their forward group has become even better with Timo Meyer, who's a very elite player. I would say his ceiling is probably top 10 forward in the NHL because he's just so talented, great shot volume. So you have the Devils in the mix, you have the Rangers in the mix. Obviously, the Carolina Hurricanes, I cannot talk about them. They're a very talented team. We'll see what they do at the trade deadline. And then you have the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, guys, I can just go on and on. Literally, the East, you can, like, flip a coin, and any team could make it out of there. Anna, there are four teams in the NHL right now that have reached the 80-point benchmark. All four of those teams hail from the Eastern Conference, including the best team in the NHL, the Boston Bruins, who just keep winning games seven consecutive victories for the bees right now 46 in total this year 97 total points for the boston bruins including a 3-2 victory on the road last night in edmonton despite the fact that Connor mcdavid scored two more goals 50 this year for the heavy odds on favorite to win the hart trophy in the national hockey league so despite two goals from mcdavid anna and the team that you feel pretty confident in making a run this postseason the bruins still get a victory what does that continue to tell you about boston as the nhl's best team I mean, they're a solid team top to bottom, right? So I think we got to talk about when we're talking about the Bruins, we really have to emphasize the way Olmark is playing this year. I mean, he's going to win the Vesna. He's the Vesna front runner right now. He had a goalie goal. This guy's doing everything possible for Boston, and he's really carrying this team. He's like that rock solid net front presence that they needed to really secure the team as a whole. So in addition to their forward group, we can talk about David Pasternak and all of those guys, and they're great. They're elite players. We already knew that. Charlie McAvoy's having a good year on the blue line. So they have a great team but Olmark was the missing piece of the puzzle for me that's really solidified how strong this Bruins team is because he's having one heck of a season as a goal and he's by and far the most impressive goalie in the NHL this year when you look at the odds right now yes David Pasternak did have an assist last night he has the second best price to win the Hart Trophy as the NHL's most valuable player it's plus 2,000 why 
Connor McDavid is a minus 2,200 favorite to win the heart at this point of the NHL regular season. That was the action on the ice last night. And then we move it forward to tonight on this Tuesday. The Islanders have been active ahead of Friday's NHL trade deadline. They added Bo Horvat. You were here last time following that trade, breaking down the significance of that move for New York. They're on the road tonight against Minnesota, a slight road underdog. What's the breakdown of tonight's matchup between the Isles and the Wild? Bo Horvat's really improved their play. That's an area the Islanders were really struggling in this season. So I think he's a huge addition, kind of shaking things up a little bit. Honestly, they're in the playoff race too, right? We're not even talking about the wild card race in the East right now to make it into the playoffs. But the Islanders have themselves in the mix. So I'm looking at Bo Horvat. I'm looking at Brock Nelson. Their centers are just something else right now. So those are the players that I would watch if the Islanders want to come out with a win. But I like Minnesota. They're a very strong team, right? So Kaprizov is a very talented player. Marc-Andre Fleury, if he finds his groove like Philip Gustafson the whole team like regardless of who's playing that tonight I'm not exactly sure but the entire team for the Minnesota Wild is pretty pretty secure right in the Western Conference they're secure they're nothing that amazes me but the Islanders it depends on the night the way they show up I think they've improved since Bo Horvat but I might leave Minnesota on this one Minnesota 72 points this year the third best mark in the Central Division the Isles right now Anna as you mentioned that wild card race in the stacked Eastern Conference have that top spot currently if the season were to end today. But of course it does not with 20 or so games left in this NHL regular season. As you look at those Eastern Conference wildcard standings and the adjoining odds to make the postseason. And of those teams on the board right there on your screen, who do you have the most confidence in to be a playoff team at the end of the regular year? I mean, to be honest, I'm going to go with the team that's sitting in the third spot right now. I really like the Buffalo Sabres. I think they're going to make a push for the playoffs this year, and I think they're going to maybe find a way to sneak in there because this team just has a crazy talented offense. I mean, I think we stopped talking about Tage Thompson just a little bit as of late. I know we were talking a lot about him earlier in the season, but the guy's still on a tear. He has like 10 points, five goals in his last six games. Jeff Skinner's finally showing up for the Sabres this year, and they have a lot of young talent as well with Dylan Cousins and the rest to the squad they have up there in Buffalo. Darlene, I know he's injured, but he's so talented. And Owen Powers maybe coming to his own a little bit. So this team has so many young players, which kind of adds a little bit of the unknown. You don't know if they're going to show up night after night and really be able to get it done because there is a bit of inconsistency, but the firepower they have, they're such a fun team to watch. I hope they make it in, and I think they're really going to make a push to get in there. It has been 11 years since Buffalo has last made the postseason in the NHL. It is the longest active streak in the league. Tonight, Anna, the Sabres host the Columbus Blue Jackets. Buffalo has won three straight games. Their odds to make the postseason, now plus 158, have grown shorter over the last two weeks. What is the key for the Sabres if they are to end that 11-year postseason drought and make it into the playoffs? I think just doing what they're doing right now. Tage Thompson is leading this team's offense. The players are playing around him. The young guys are showing up once everyone gets healthy and they get ready to go. The Sabres just have to play the way they play. They're among league leaders in goals per game. They're putting up shots night after night. They're really like their team stats are great across the board. They just have to find a way to make it done. It's going to be a tight race, but I really do think that they can. And they have a great matchup tonight, right? Columbus is heavily favored in Buffalo's odds. So I think they could pull out a win tonight, just make it a little bit closer to get into the play. Anna, you mentioned how wild this trade deadline has already been in the NHL. It comes to a close on Friday afternoon. One of the most recognizable names in American hockey, 
That would be Patrick Kane, currently playing for the Chicago Blackhawks, but maybe, just maybe, Anadua, on the move ahead of Friday's trade deadline. When Friday afternoon rolls around, Anna, do you believe Patrick Kane will be on a new team? I think so. I think he's coming here. I think he's going to come pay me a visit in New York. Uh, that's where I'm leaning towards. And I can't even imagine the Rangers with Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. I mean, wow, that team's going to be something else. We're forgetting about Chesterkin that they have in net. So that team's going to be a menace in the playoffs if they make it happen. But I think that's the most likely spot if he moves. I think there's a high chance that he is going to move. And it would be nice to see Patrick Kane and what he can do in the postseason because he's been such a good postseason player throughout his career. I mean, the guy's won three Stanley Cups, but he's going to elevate the Rangers to a completely new level he's so talented I don't think we talk enough about it I know he's one of the greatest if not the greatest American-born hockey players but like he's third in points since entering the league behind only Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby so he's right up there with those guys and I think he could just be the final piece the Rangers need to make a run for the Stanley Cup the enthusiasm not far away from us at Madison Square Garden if Patrick Kane were a Ranger it would be sky high and I do it thank you for the morning after next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com live right here on this tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. With basketball front and center, you need the best perspective you can out there. All of the insight down this home stretch of the NBA regular season. Who better to give that to you than a former NBA scout in the scout's eye now with Antonio Williams joining us here on the morning after live on this Tuesday. Antonio, it is the final day in the month of February. There are about 20 or so games left in this NBA regular season. The push for the postseason is already underway in the NBA. We welcome you here onto this Tuesday on the morning after. Ben, you know I appreciate it. I always love when we have the opportunity to talk about this great game. Appreciate you. So, Antonio, we look back on last night. We appreciate you being here as well. We set the stage for this Tuesday and the final 20 or so games of the NBA regular season. Last night, not far away from us, at Madison Square Garden, the sixth straight win for the New York Knicks. 109-94 over the Boston Celtics. Antonio, what did last night's game and the sixth straight victory for New York teach you about both of these teams, the Celtics and the Knicks? Well, when you look at the Celtics, first, and the reason why I'm starting with them, Ben, is because they sit atop the Eastern Conference. They are the pick for a lot of people to win, to go ahead and cross the threshold and win the title. But when you look at them, there are no teams that are perfect in the NBA because of salary caps and all those things. When you look at Boston, their weakness or their kryptonite sort of came to, uh, it came off, came to fruition when you watch this game. They don't get a lot of production when it comes to getting into the paint if they, when you start talking about post-ups. Um, one of the things that when we started seeing Jason Tatum is one of the things I've said a lot, Ben, when Jason Tatum goes to that very good to superstar status, one of the things that helps you get to that point is getting to the free throw line. He's been able to do that um, for, the, for the most part this year, but yesterday he didn't get to the free throw line a lot. So they're relying a lot on shooting jumpers. And then when there's no Jalen Brown, there's even less paint touches. Um, you can get your paint touches multiple ways. You can either have 
a traditional post-up guy, or you can penetrate and get to the cup. No Jalen Brown, that means less penetration opportunities. Know what that means? Less free throws. So the Knicks were clearly the aggressor in this game. And, 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 and so with that being said, Robert Williams coming on and getting healthy is big for them because he gives them paint touches when they get offensive rebounds and when they also get dives to the rim on pick and roll as well. So Robert Williams getting paint touches, getting to the free throw line, that's the thing that the Celtics need to do. And it's something that they really need to pay attention to because they probably should have lost to the Sixers, but they won that game and then they lose to the Knicks. Um, but so for the Knicks, the thing that's interesting when you watch them play, sure, Jalen Brunson's having an amazing year. It's awesome watching him doing what he does. It's great. Julius Randle is also having a great year. They got contributions from the others last night. They were the clear aggressor. They were plus. I think they were 23 of 34 from the free throw line. The Celtics only attempted 14. And then they also crashed the offensive glass as well. But the others, speaking of the offensive glass, Mitchell Robinson over the last 10 games has really been playing well, crashing the glass, really stretching the floor. People always attribute stretching the floor to shooting. But bigs running the floor and making the opposing defense account for them is also a way to stretch the floor. Mitchell Robinson getting buckets in transition, rim running, getting those offensive rebounds and blocking shots. That was really big. Um, and, of course, the addition of Josh Hart as well, having more influence offensively than he did in Portland. Yep. Big, big influence. We know what he's going to do defensively. But, again, having another guy that can make the right decisions and move the ball. Because where the Knicks get in trouble is when the ball starts to stick and they get really one-on-one -on -one sort of century. Josh Hart last night, Antonio, 12 points, five boards, five dimes off the bench. He has been a member of the Knicks organization for all six wins on this six-game winning streak. And Emmanuel quickly, 23 points off the bench as well. That matched Julius Randle for New York's team high last night. So we showed those Eastern Conference odds, Antonio. And because of the loss last night, it's the Celtics and the Bucks. Tied for the Eastern Conference's best record. Yet the Seas remain the favorites at plus 115. Antonio, in your estimation, are Boston and Milwaukee on their own tier in the Eastern Conference, separate from everybody else? I do. I, I think that because when I look at the Sixers, sometimes I just wonder about when you start looking at what goes on from a scoring standpoint. One of the things that I worry about with the Sixers is, and I know we're going to talk about them, but I look at them and I really look at, okay, let's make sure you, you definitely have Harden. Obviously, you have Embiid who's playing at an MVP level. But those other guys have to really be consistent. And we know they have that connectivity defensively when Embiid is the anchor. But you really have to look at what they're getting from those other players as well. So for me, and of course, this is assuming health with Giannis as well, the Bucks and the Celtics to me are the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference. 27 and 12 last night for JoJo, a double-double for the Beard and James Harden as well. 12 points and 12 assists, but they come up short against the Miami Heat. Antonio, the Heat snapping a four-game losing skid with the 101-99 victory on the road last night in Philadelphia. You mentioned Philadelphia. Let's focus on Miami. They have made the Eastern Conference Finals two of the past three seasons in the NBA. Antonio, they are battling for an Eastern Conference playing tournament spot at this moment. How do you evaluate the Heat the rest of this NBA regular season? Well, the big thing is once we, if people think scouting in the NBA, and I'm saying this because I'm biased as a scout, 
If people think scouting in the NBA isn't real, the Miami Heat are an example of that. Last year, Max Struess, those type of players, uh, hitting big shots, Gabe Vincent as well, shot the ball really well last year. Guess what happens, Ben, when you start making scouting reports? It becomes more difficult to do what you do. So this year, their their sort of complementary guys have not been shooting the ball as well as they normally do. And one of the other things that you like to see as well, I know that the Heat have their mentality, and we've talked about that. Defensive mentality, they love guys that grind, they love guys that persevere. And we always say that defense leads the offense. Well, especially now when we look at all the scoring that's going on, that's done to 180 now, Ben. So these guys have to see the ball going to hoop. Then they're ready to play defense. That's the other thing that's been going on in Miami as well. Not defending normally like they do. And it's partly because those guys aren't making shots. Max Strews, Victor Oladipo, Gabe Vincent, those guys made shots last night. And, and what's really telling about that is Bam Adebayo and, and Tyler Hero didn't play well last night. And, and But nonetheless, they were able to win because the other guys made shots. And that also, in addition to making plays for himself, that turned Jimmy Butler into more of a facilitator as well. And that was really the determining factor in Miami winning. And one thing about the Sixers I'd like to say as well, um, Tobias Harris is very similar to when Ray Allen, I'm not saying they're the same as players, but when Ray Allen went to the Celtics, he had the same issues that Tyler, that uh, Tobias Harris is having now with the Sixers. As, as uh, Tyrese Maxey is starting to emerge, Tobias Harris is trying to figure out where do I get my shots and when do I get my shots? And for a guy that is offensive-minded, and he's a very, very important part, if the Sixers want to go on and be in the finals, Tobias Harris has to play well. But he's got to figure out where he can get his shots. And when you're a guy that's used to getting 10, 12, 15 shots a game, and then sometimes you get three, that's very, very tough. And he's struggling with that right now. Only two points for Tobias Harris last night. The two guys that Antonio mentioned for the Heat, Gabe Vincent, four of eight from deep. 14 points, Max Struess, the DePaul great, three of eight from three and 13 points as well. Antonio, now we move forward to this Tuesday night slate in the NBA. Everybody's eyes will be on Memphis as the Grizzlies host LeBron lists Los Angeles Lakers. Right now, Memphis, a nine-point home favorite. And Antonio, we got the news last night. LeBron James expected to miss an indefinite amount of time for LA. The Lakers have won two straight. Both of their games following the all-star break antonio what will be the key in your mind for la to sustain that level of success on this playoff push without lebron james in the lineup two words for you ben it's not anthony davis it's d'angelo russell if this guy is healthy and if he can get back and give them some of those positive minutes really scoring scoring the ball getting in the pick and roll which is where he really excels he and AD playing pick and roll basketball is lethal because you have to play both of them for the shot. And then also, too, you also have to play AD for the pop. You have to play AD for the roll. And then also D'Angelo Russell with his stopping and going and having the ball on the string can get to the rim also. So I'm not saying, again, I, I thought I had very, very high hopes for this team where they can get into that six seed, possibly avoid that play in without LeBron. I don't know if they'll be able to do that. But if they're going to stay afloat until LeBron comes back, D'Angelo Russell is the key to this. And I know everybody says Anthony Davis. It's D'Angelo Russell for me.
Love that context. Love that perspective for Los Angeles. D'Lo, an ankle injury following the All-Star break, hopefully to return soon for L.A. Elsewhere in the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors hosting the Portland Trailblazers. The Dubs, Antonio, a four-point home favorite in San Francisco. But everybody will look at Damian Lillard. His points prop tonight, 37 and a half. That is the expectation now for Dame following the 71-point performance he had against Houston on Sunday night. Antonio, as you watch Damian Lillard this year, how do you describe the performance that you saw on Sunday and really his scoring throughout this entire NBA season? Ben, it's been amazing. I, you know, one of the things as a point guard, I say point guard life. This guy is point guard life, especially in today's league. I, I, I love what Damian Lillard does. Um, he's never flustered. He's always playing in attack mode and believing in himself. The thing that I really pay attention to, sure, he was 13 for 22 from three when he had that historic 71-point night. But yeah. this was building. If you look at before the All-Star break started, he had games of 38, 39, 40. This was coming. This was building. Now, I'm not going to say I knew 70 was coming, but a huge <laughs> eruption was coming. The other thing that I like to say that you should pay attention to with Dane is in the month of February, of course, we get him enamored with the threes. He's averaging almost 12 free throws a game. That's the other thing that he's doing also. We talked about that with free throws with Jason Tatum. Damian Lillard is getting to the free throw line, getting those easy buckets, getting that confidence, and then watching those threes drop. And that's a perfect picture right there. It has been Dame time for a long time for the Portland Trailblazers. Golden State has won two straight, two of their three since returning from the All-Star break. Now a game above 500, the seventh best record currently in the Western Conference. The best record, Antonio, the Denver Nuggets. A 10.5-point favorite on the road tonight in H-Town against the Rockets. And Nikola Jokic is favored, literally favored, Antonio, with a minus-110 price to record a triple-double. Only a minute left in this segment, but, Antonio, the question is simple. Has Nikola Jokic already locked up his third straight NBA MVP? The last time you had me on here, Ben, I said I don't think he's going to win three in a row. I stand corrected. This guy is going to win three in a row. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so much looking forward to watching Alperin Shingun and uh, Nikola Jokic do below the rim, playing with position, footwork. If you are a post-game nerd like I am, this is always <laughs> high-level basketball. Shingun actually lifts his numbers a little bit when he plays against Jokic. So I'm very much looking forward to this. And then tune over to Big Ten basketball where Trace Jackson Davis and Indiana take on Iowa inside Assembly <laughs> Hall as well. Antonio Williams, thank you so much for your time on this Tuesday on the morning after we round out the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here live on this Tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. I have said it a ton of times today on this Tuesday show. It is the final day in the month of February. We are about 13 hours away from the start of March. When everybody all around the country 
turns in to pay a little bit more attention to college basketball. Conference tournaments have started at the mid-major level. More get into the mix today, but it's still the final week of the regular season at the high major level. Teams trying to battle for positioning in the NCAA tournament within their own conference tournaments and maybe trying to survive on the bubble of the big dance at this moment. That's what we focus on before we say farewell, before we say goodbye. It's time for a college basketball best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. Quickly, I do want to mention here, not a best bet, but San Diego State has already clinched at least a share of the Mountain West Conference regular season title. San Diego State on the road tonight against Boise State. The Broncos have the second best record in the league. With a victory, the Aztecs win the Mountain West outright, but they're a slight underdog tonight in Boise against Boise State. We go to the ACC. I've said this a few times over the past few weeks. As we gear up for March... Make sure you pay attention to teams that maybe had high expectations entering this college hoop season that maybe have been slightly underperforming until the last month when they've been playing better basketball, peaking at the right time. That is the case for the Duke Blue Devils. Duke has won four straight games. Now, the Blue Devils have not been a great cover team in the ACC. In fact, 5-13 and 13 against the spread. They're a six-and-a-half-point home favorite tonight inside Cameron before they end the regular season on the road in Chapel Hill against North Carolina. I think Duke gets it done against NC State tonight, covering as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. That does it for the morning after on this Tuesday. It is March tomorrow. We'll talk then. I'm Ben Stevens. See you on Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern.